Hello, I'm Susan Spence. Welcome to the latest edition of the Borders podcast. This is the place to listen to interviews and news from the world of books, as well as hear about exclusive offers and competitions. This month, we talk all things Mr. Gum with the much-loved children's author Andy Stanton. The Mr. Gum series began with You're a Bad Man, Mr. Gum, the story of a fierce old man with a red beard and two bloodshot eyes, and introduced us to characters like a girl called Polly, Jake the dog and an evil stinky butcher all covered in guts. And also in this podcast, we have an extra special treat for Mr. Gum fans. Andy will read an extract from his new book, which isn't out until October, and it's called What's for Dinner, Mr. Gum? And if you're thinking of taking a late holiday, but are not quite sure of the best places to go at this time of year, then Tom Hall from Lonely Planet is here to help. Tom's back this month to give us tips on getting the best late deals. It's also time to head back to college. And whether you're studying full-time, part-time or you're at evening classes, it can be a drain on resources as there are bound to be a pile of books you'll need to buy. Well, to help lighten the load, here at Borders, we're giving you up to 30% off books for college with our Back to College special offer. It runs all through September and into October and covers all subjects from marketing to medicine, English to economics and politics to psychology. Just go to to borders.co.uk, click on the Back to College icon, make your choices, and then get up to 30% off at the checkout. And just before we get started, let me remind you that you can buy all the books we feature in this podcast by visiting the Borders website, borders.co.uk. So we're into September then, and it's a bit of a funny month when we come to think about holidays. I have to admit, September is typically the time of year where I always go away because um, I always find it's a great way to get away in the latter part uh, because I don't have any children, and then it means that I can get a better deal. And then when I go away, um, I'm not surrounded by children. I know a lot of people like that idea. But then again, it could be that, you know, you're mourning the fact that summer is over and you want an extra holiday, or perhaps your summer holiday didn't live up to expectation. Well, if that's the case, Tom Hall from The Lonely Planet has got uh, some last-minute holiday ideas for us. Um, Tom, thank you for joining us here at the Borders Studio. It's one of these things, isn't it, when you get to September that you're not quite sure. Do I go away? Do I not go away? And also it's a bit iffy in terms of weather as well, depending on where you choose. Well, certainly in terms of Europe, we can have a bit of a feeling of after the Lord Mayor's show about going away in September. Places are starting to gently wind down in some particular destinations almost as soon as the school holidays go away it can be a finish it's like turning a tap off the people go away restaurants open uh, less frequent hours services are quite so available etc so it it can be an odd place It, it, it pays to pick your destination quite carefully what it does mean, though, is this is a great place to go, uh, but great time to go away in terms of getting a good deal. Um, there's still a lot of availability. Um, it's widely expected this year there's going to be more things available at late notice than there have been in previous years as people leave it later to book. Um, and, of course, we're prepared to travel that little bit further than we have done in the past in order to get either a good deal or to fulfil our ambitions to pick up the holiday of a lifetime. So September's a good time if you know where to look. Well, on that question then, where is the best place to look? Internet, travel agents or um, an accumulation of all of them? Um, At the moment, the advice is to spread your searching as far and wide as you possibly can. Um, If you don't have 
a particular destination in mind, you just know you want to go somewhere, then you're actually going to do very, very well. Um, there are large numbers of hotel rooms in particular available, and now that we're into um, a lower season, prices are going to be really extremely low. And if you look on the websites of some of the very big, well-known holiday companies, you might find a hotel room for £5 a night. That is not an exaggeration, £5 a night. Now, if you add a, a cheap flight into that, which should still be operating in September, you'll still get quite a lot of charter flights running, this means, hello, very cheap holiday, ahoy. Where the picture changes is if you've got your heart set on going to a particular place. Um, the unfortunate and inevitable truth is if you have your heart set on going to a particular place, probably quite a few other people do too. And in this case, you might need to book a little bit sooner. The other point with September is that as the month wears on, southern Europe around the Mediterranean becomes much less predictable in terms of weather. You can still have lots of warm, sunny days, but you're more likely to get the odd shower, possibly cooler conditions, might not, not quite feel like beach weather. Um, so it might be time to look slightly further afield and places in North Africa, um, Morocco, Tunisia, uh, possibly Egypt, possibly even as far afield as, as Dubai, looking away from North Africa, um, are places that become attractive propositions, though they're still feeling pretty hot so if you don't like extreme heat might be best to look elsewhere now one place i like to go to in september and i pretty much do this every year is greece where would you recommend in greece i should go to this year i think particularly if we're talking about going towards the back end of september you need to go quite a long way south so um, i would go for either Rhodes or uh, crete and the reason for this is that both of these islands are large enough to mean that they, they keep going and they, they keep busy right through September. So um, th that you're not going to find that it feels like a ghost town when you arrive. But also because they're further south, the weather tends to keep going for that little bit longer. Crete's actually a very good year-round destination because if you get there and it's not quite beach weather where you can go hiking or you can you know, go sailing or you can just go um, you know, exploring individual villages... Um, they, that would be my pick. Um, the hot destination for this summer is Turkey, um, and it's somewhere that has really been acclaimed as it, because it's outside the Eurozone. It's better value for, for British travellers, and that's something that people are obviously very mindful of. And again, once we get outside of August, prices will drop that little bit further, um, meaning that there's lots and lots and lots of charter flights to places like Dalaman, to Marmaris, to um, Alanya, so lots of different places that you can go to. So if you've tried Greece and you're not finding quite the prices that you're after, might be worth having a look at Turkey. And let me ask something that I find uh, come across quite often when I'm trying to book last minute, and that is where I find the destination I want, um, and then they say, uh, we'll, we'll reveal the um, resort upon arrival. Now, that fills me with absolute dread, uh, rightly or wrongly, and therefore I stay away from that, and I think, no, actually, I, I'd rather know exactly where I'm going. But for somebody who, you know, because obviously it's cheaper if you, if you do it that way, what kind of pitfalls or what can you do to perhaps make that not be such a surprise or is it just a case of you know you just have to suck it and see really i think if you're prepared to book a holiday without knowing where you're staying you're really throwing your dice into the air and seeing where they land and if you don't get somewhere that you like you obviously have no comeback one thing that you can do and this is as true for booking a, a resort blind um, as it would be for booking um, an upmarket hotel and lastminute.com have got a secret hotel booking service where you can go on you'll get a great value price for a hotel but they'll just give you a description of it they won't actually tell you which hotel it is well if you copy and paste that description into an internet search engine it will quite often pull up the actual hotel site or sites which list the name of the hotel or the resort so that can be a way that you can sometimes find it though travel companies are a little wiser to that one than they used to be but 
if you are prepared to take a chance, well, you know, a four or five star place anywhere, how bad can it be? Um, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's, that's great information. I will remember that one, that little tip. But what other tips have you got for us when we're booking last minute holidays? Um, the first tip I'd have would be to sign up for email alerts for pretty much any travel company that you can find. Um, quite often exclusive deals are revealed first to people who are perceived to be loyal customers and you might even be able to use your status as someone who's joined joined up with them to get a little bit more money off. So that would be the first tip. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, be adventurous. This summer's actually yielding last-minute deals for holidays that don't normally come up. So small group adventure trips, cycling and walking holidays, and further-flung destinations as well. We're into September now, starting to become a very nice time to be in New Zealand and Australia, getting towards peak time to hit Southeast Asia and East Africa. So well worth thinking about going further afield. There's still some terrific air deals going on out there as well so when you're signing up for those emails do so with airlines too um i would say upgrade the real savings that we're seeing are on more expensive holidays so two for one deals on business class flights um thousands of pounds off cruises and five-star holidays and now that we're into september there's going to be more and more of these autumn is expected to be a difficult one for some travel companies they're going to be working hard to get people onto planes and out into into nice parts of the world and lastly i'd say haggle even if you can't get money shaved off the cost, you might be able to secure room upgrades, free extras, food and drink vouchers, all, all that kind of stuff. It can't help to ask, but the way to ask is by picking up the phone. So if you go onto a hotel website, you get quoted a particular rate, pick up the phone and give them a call. If you can get almost face-to-face, not quite face-to-face, uh, on the phone with the person who can make that decision, they're going to want you to go there, especially if you've got a very similar deal from somewhere else. So no harm in trying to play two hotels off against each other. Oh, Tom, you're very sneaky. Let me ask you something. September, October, for going to the likes of Florida, is it true that that's not a good time to go because of the hurricane season? You are running the risk of hitting the the, the hurricane season in Florida, in the Caribbean, and parts of Mexico. Um the actual risk is very difficult to predict. It may be the case that you go there and you have an absolutely lovely time. You may see nothing more than a shower. Um, or it may be that, yep, things are really pretty windy and you can't leave your hotel. So somewhere like Florida is actually not very often hit by hurricanes. Uh, Caribbean islands tend to bear the brunt of it. If you absolutely have to go away at this time and the weather has to be perfect, then it might be worth looking elsewhere. Um, If you're prepared to take a punt, I would probably say don't book until quite late so that you can see how the season is shaping up. And as a final question, how can Lonely Planet help with making that choice for a last-minute destination? Well, Lonely Planet's the only travel publisher which covers the entire world um, in our, with our guidebook. So wherever you're going, you will find a Lonely Planet book that covers it. So uh, have a look in your local borders uh, and you will see, hopefully, a book which meets your requirements. Great. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you. All the books Tom mentioned are available online at the Lonely Planet web store, borders.co.uk forward slash Lonely Planet, where you'll also be able to read Tom's travel blog. And if you're planning a late holiday overseas and want to be able to chat with the locals in their native tongue, then get ready for your next break with this half-price offer from Borders. The Oxford Takeoff in Languages courses provide you with a different way of learning a new language. All audio content is available as MP3 download and CD. A clearly laid-out course book, practice audio and additional resources online give you the flexibility to learn in your own time, whether at home or on the move. They're available 
available in nine languages, including Russian and Japanese. And right now at Borders.co.uk, you can buy any of the Oxford Takeoff in Language courses for half price. Andy Stanton is the creator of the Blue Peter award-winning Mr. Gum books. He popped into Borders to talk about the Mr. Gum series, including how some of the characters from Lemonic Bibber came to be, where the truth is a lemon meringue came from, as well as giving us an exclusive reading from his new book, What's for Dinner, Mr. Gum? Andy, welcome to Borders Towers. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Now, for those who don't know about your books, tell us a little bit about the Mr. Gum series. Okay, um, first can I just say I've got a horrible cold and I don't normally sound like this. I usually sound like this. But today I sound like this. Um, Mr. Gum, the Mr. Gum series is about a horrible old man called Mr. Gum and he's got a great big red beard and he's got two scowling eyes that uh, scowl at you like an octopus curled up in a bad cave and he's always causing trouble for the little town of Lamonic Bibber. Uh, and he's just a horrible, unwashed, stinky old villain. There's a hero in the book called Polly, but her name's not really Polly. No, she has a much longer name than Polly. Would you like to hear her long name? Yes, please. OK, let me see if I can do this, even while I have a cold. Polly's real name, she's nine years old, her real name is Jammy Grammy Lammy for Huppa for Huppa Berlin Stereo EO EO Leb Siep Nemonica the Strapek de Grespin de Crespin de Spespin de Vespin de Whoop de Loop de Brunkle Merry Christmas Lenoir. I'm not even going to ask you how many times you've tried to practice that. How about sing it backwards? I'll come back next week. <laughs> that was a bit cruel of me to do that. There, there are a couple, there are many characters in the book. My favourite is Alan Taylor, and he's my favourite because, number one, I love gingerbread and ginger uh, biscuits and all that kind of thing. But I just think it's such a boring name. Oh, yes. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, he's a gingerbread man, and he's 15.24 centimetres tall, and he's got electric muscles which spark when he moves. But, yeah, his name is Alan Taylor. And uh, it, is, it is the most boring name that I could think of for him because he's such a strange little character. Uh, so I thought I'd give him basically the name of a middle manager from uh, Loughborough. God, let's hope nobody from Loughborough is listening. What about some of the other characters, though? Because they, they're all very, very different. They're all very unusual. I mean, we can't obviously run through all of them. But Friday O'Leary, I just wanted to ask you about him. He, he shouts out, the truth is a lemon meringue. I just wonder how that came into your head, really. And... When I think of lemon meringue, I think lemon meringue pie, but this is just lemon meringue. Well, (laughs) um, I didn't really think about the distinction between lemon meringue and lemon meringue pie. Uh, But if you want to know how it started, about 10 years ago, I just turned to my brother one day for no reason at all and just said, the truth is a lemon meringue. And then he turned back to me and went, the truth is a lemon meringue. And then we just sat there for about half an hour going, the truth is a lemon meringue. The truth is a lemon meringue. I don't know why. It just I guess we were bored. So anyway, um, some years later, uh, it, t- it turned out that it was what Friday O'Leary says in the books. Is that what happens with a lot of these things? Because when you read through them, you think, oh, my God. I mean, the, the best way I could describe all the books for anybody who hasn't read them is they are silly, 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 silly. Did these things just come into your mind just randomly or do you really have to sit down and think about them? Yeah, randomly. Um, they just, they, the best things just pop into your head when you're not thinking about anything else. Like Alan Taylor, the gingerbread man with electric muscles. I just woke up in the middle of the night thinking about him. I don't, I don't know why, but I'm glad, to, you know, I'm glad I did. And what about um, the characters? Are any of them, I know it's an obvious question, but it's one I really want to know the answer to, and that is, 
Are any of them based on your friends or you in any kind of shape or form? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> and they're especially not based on this person I used to know. No. Um, no, I sometimes steal character names from people I know. Like, uh, uh, I know a girl called Polly, and I know someone called Jake, and there's a dog in my books called Jake the Dog. And when Jake the person saw Jake the dog, he went, oh, thanks very much, you've named me after a dog. OK, it's a nice dog, though. Lamonic Bibber is where the, is the fictitious town that it's all set in. Another, again, another na- a strange, strange name. And where is this town meant to be? Um, OK, well, Lamonic Bibber actually is by the sea. It's between the mountains and the sea. And it's uh, somewhere in the, on the east coast of England. And that's all I'll say. So you can go hunting for it, but I don't think you'll find it on any ordnance survey map. And the name again, is it just a name that you plucked up the air and just thought, I'll scramble a few letters together? Lamonic Bibber. I used to say, uh, I go through phases of making up words which I use for myself. And if something was really rubbish, I would say, oh, what a load of Lamonic Bibber. Like, if a film was really bad, I'd just go, oh, that was totally Lamonic Bibber. And then years later, it became the name of the town. So the whole town just means a load of rubbish. Excellent. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that one. Mm-hmm. Now, you love your similes, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> do you want me to come up with one now? <laughs> I love my similes as much as a panther loves its tail. My favourite one that you did write, which wasn't the first one, and that was, I, I thought, oh, that's just lovely. It was just came up, sort of conjured up like, sort of total comfortness, and that's friendly as toast. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like friendly as toast. Um, there's friendly as toast, there's uh, like a guilty onion, there's, there's a lot, there's um, silent as an avocado, the moon hung in the sky like a big silver fruit pastel. Yeah, there's, I, I, like, I like my similes, it's true. Actually, talking about fruit pastels, yeah. totally different to what we've just said. On, on, on the website, which actually is excellent, everybody should go and have a look at it, it's mrgum.co.uk, um, there's, the, there's a section there where um, people can ask you questions. And somebody asked you about wearing glasses, um, and I wear glasses. And what I thought was really funny was you said, oh, you tried contact lenses, and the, what you said was, in fact, I've written it down, you said contact lenses are like putting fruit pastels you've been sucking on for too long in your eyes. And I just stopped because I, I wear glasses and I can't bear contact lenses. And I stopped and I thought, right, okay, imagine sucking a fruit pastel, wait for all the sugar to go down and then put them in my eyes. What would that feel like? And then I thought, what are you doing? <laughs> Thinking yeah. about something like that. How did you come up with that? Or is that just totally random? <laughs> um, you don't even remember I, seeing it, do you? <laughs> no, I do, I do, I do. Actually, a little cousin of mine, we, were, uh, we made up a song about contact lenses on the spot once. One of the lines I came up with, even though they're like fruit pastels you've been sucking on for too long, put them in your eyes for a big surprise or something, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, when this kid asked about some glasses, I remembered that line. But I've tried contact lenses and they're terrible. Yeah, it's like having grit in your eye the whole time. Yeah, and you just spend the whole day sort of fiddling with these little things and sort of hurting yourself. So I, I prefer glasses on and off. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, you've written five books. Uh, the new one, which is coming out in October, is called uh, What's for Dinner, Mr. Gum? It's the sixth book in the series. And you're going to read um, a, a little extract for us. OK, this is a scene I'm going to read from the new book. And the horrible butcher, Billy William III, is waiting for his horrible pal, Mr. Gum, to come in. So it goes like this. Another lonely night down at the butcher's. 
The flies buzzed lazily through the murk. Billy Williams sat with his feet up on the counter, staring up at the clock. Seven o'clock. Seven thirty. Eight o'clock. If only I could tell the time, Billy thought. Then at least there'd be some point staring up at the clock. But he couldn't. And that's what happens if you don't go to school like Billy, so watch it. Well, Billy sighed as the evening wore on. Looks like Mr Gum ain't coming in tonight neither, the lousy, stinking good for... Oh, hey, there he is, he cried suddenly. Me best pal in the whole wide world, what I'd never say a bad word about. He's back. I knew he wouldn't let me down. And yes, there was Mr Gum now, creeping along the high street in his hobnail boots. His big red beard blazed like a beacon in the twilight. His bloodshot eyes darted cunningly around, looking for trouble. His dusty jacket flapped out behind him like a bad wizard's cloak and he was licking his lips greedily. He wanted the scoffs. And I'm the one to give him them... <laughs> Take that again. <laughs> and I'm the one to give him them... them <laughs> and one more time. And I'm the one to give him them scoffs, grinned Billy. I'm going to feed him up like a champion. Everything's back to normal. But that's where Billy was wrong. Mr Gum walked straight past Billy William III's right royal meets. He crossed over the road, kicked a beer can at a nightingale, and disappeared around the corner. Billy did a thought. Then, without a second thought, he slunk out of the butcher's shop, taking care to keep to the shadows and to not yell out things like, Hey, Mr. Gum, I'm following you! Billy crept after his horrible old pal. Shabber me whiskers, he heard Mr. Gum mutter up ahead. I'm going to be late for me dinner! Oh, ho! Billy nodded to himself. Late for dinner, is it? I knew he was up to something. Oh, that was a real chase through the night, wasn't it? And uh, we're left totally hanging in suspense. But the new book, What's for Dinner, uh, Mr Gum, is out in the shops on October the 5th. So not too long to wait if you're a Mr Gum fan. Uh, But Andy, just tell us overall, without giving anything too much away, what the book is about. What's for Dinner, Mr Gum, is about 250 pages long. And it's, uh, that's a terrible old joke, uh, it's about love and war and meat products. God, really selling that one really well. I'll tell you what I did notice, and I, I could have really um, slapped you really actually, is there's a line in the, in, in the new book uh, from a song, um, Hey Now, Hey Now, Don't Dream It's Over, and I have now, on the way in here, especially on the tube, I was singing it in my head and I can't get it out. It's a Crowded House song. Do you like them? Is that why you threw that in there? Uh, Yeah, I do like Crowded House and I like that song, Hey Now, Hey Now, Don't Dream It's Over. But um, I threw it in because it was an amusing way. It it just came into my head and it seemed like the right thing at the time. And sometimes I do use song lyrics in my book and sometimes I disguise them. And sometimes I change them and twist them. Or sometimes I just use them in my head to get an atmosphere. But this time I just stole the line and put it in the book. Let me ask you, how long does it take you to write one of these books? Uh, about four or five months, but there'll be a downtime of about a month or, yeah, a good month in there where I don't, l- <coughs> excuse me, where I don't look at the book and I come back to it after a month or so. But it's not writing every day, but it's thinking about it every day. And from what I understand, there'll be eight. You had planned to put eight in the series of the Mr. Gun books. No, this is book number six coming out, so we've got two more to go. Have you always thought to yourself, right, OK, I know exactly what direction I'm going to take. I've got my ending sorted out. No, I don't even know what's going to be on the next page. But um, I, I do have a particular ending that might work for book eight. 
Um, and when I say ending, it, it can leave things open. So I'm not going to say any more than that because I don't even know if it will, uh, if I'll use it. But most of the books, I haven't really known what the next book's going to be about till I sit down and come up with an idea. It's sort of an improvisation. And let's talk about, we really have to talk about David Tazziman. He's the, obviously the guy who illustrates the books, and I would say he's a bit of a genius, really, especially those covers. They're wonderful. Uh, he is a bit of a genius. Um, what do you want to know about David uh, that hasn't already been told? Uh, well, what I'd like to know is, how did because you know what it's like when you read a regular book, um, or let's say an adult book or something, you don't really, you have to create the character in your own head, so everybody will think to themselves, right, okay, well, I think, you know, this person looks like this, and you'll ask somebody else, and they'll say, oh, no, I think she's blonde and, and short and whatever. Whereas with these, with the covers, you're obviously immediately you know exactly in your head who's who what I mean is did you and David sit down and you say to him look this is my idea I think Mr Gum looks like this or did you leave it to him uh well David used some of my initial designs for some of the characters like uh he his Mr Gum looks a lot like my original Mr Gum and his Billy William and he changed some other characters and came up with some new characters of his own and sometimes when there's a new character in one of the books we go back and forth on it, and we end up sort of designing them together a little bit. But most of the time, David just gives me a new character, and it's perfect straight off the bat because he's so good, and he knows, well, we just, we just, we just know what we like. The covers, though, I think the covers are lovely. Have you got a favourite cover? Uh, <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, I, I honestly really, really do like them all in different ways. That's such a terribly boring thing to say. I really like the first one, though, because it's so... It's so depressing looking. <laughs> All the, the other ones have got a lot more energy, but that first one was just like... <sighs> While I just remember something that's just come into my head, everything I read about you when I was doing my research on you said you got kicked out of Oxford. Nobody said why you got kicked out. So tell us, why did you get kicked out of Oxford? Well, I killed a horse. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I think that's a story for another day. I'll, t- I'll tell you something interesting. I'll tell you something really interesting. Now, this is crazy. Um... I'm going to speak at the Edinburgh Book Festival. Oh, by the time this interview's gone out, I'll have already spoken. And speaking there on the same day at the Edinburgh Book Festival this year is the man who kicked me out of Oxford. <laughs> and he's speaking about a book that he has written. I mean, he writes books. And it will be an academic book or something. And he's speaking on the same day. So if I see him... Well, you know, we could get some very late in the day revenge. Uh, now, finally, what's what's next for you? Because once you've once the the books, the final two books are written, what are you going to do? And you miss the characters, won't you? It'd be like one of your arms cut off or something. <laughs> I'm not. Um, well, I've got some other ideas up my sleeve. Even if I haven't, I have to say that because otherwise, it sounds like I'm really used up. Um, I've got a picture book that I'm working on at the moment with my lovely publishers. Egmont Books, and uh, I've got some other ideas for for stories and all sorts of stupid projects, Uh, and also I'm learning the guitar, but I don't think you're going to see me on a rock stage very soon. You've got the look for it, though. Uh, And finally, any plans to take Mr Gum to the screen, small or big? Uh, Well, we've been working, I've been working with Nickelodeon in the States to make a cartoon series out of Mr Gum, And I was just in America, L.A., for three weeks working on the pilot episode. So we're we're making a pilot this year. And if everything goes well, then we might see a Mr. Gum cartoon show in the next couple of years. 
And if not, then forget I mentioned it. Everybody be very excited at the thought of that, though. Um, Andy, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming in to see us at Borders. Thank you for having me. All the Mr Gum books are currently available to buy online at borders.co.uk with up to 25% off, including What's for Dinner, Mr Gum, which you can also pre-order online and is out on October the 5th. And just before I go, if you're looking to update your dictionaries or need a new one for going back to school, then don't miss our offer giving you 50% off selected Oxford dictionaries and thesauruses. For details on these and many other great offers, just visit the Borders website. Well, that brings us to the end of this Borders podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. Check back at the beginning of October at borders.co.uk for the next podcast. And remember, you can go back and listen to all the previous pods at borders.co.uk forward slash podcast. I'm Susan Spence, and on behalf of all the team at Borders, thanks for listening.